baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. I'm Grant McCauley, joining you as always for our weekly chat about the Braves and, of course, the hot stove season across Major League Baseball. A lot to dive into on this episode as we focus in on what's already been an eventful opening of the winter for the Atlanta Braves, who made a big splash in free agency. We're going to talk all about that. And, of course, what other moves could be coming down the pipe, both the free agency and the trade rumors surrounding the Braves. Corey McCartney is going to join me to discuss all of that. And he's going to help me dissect what could be ahead for the Braves now that they have brought on a big-time addition in the person of reliever Will Smith, who was officially announced as a brand-new member of the Atlanta Braves on Thursday afternoon. So we'll get into that with Corey in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to invite you to subscribe to From the Diamond wherever you find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave a rating and a review. Those are always appreciated. And be sure you're plugged in and following along on social media as well. On Twitter, you can find the show at FromTheDiamond underscore. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McCauley. That's G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. On Instagram, the show is at FromTheDiamond with no underscore. And I am at Grant McCauley on Instagram as well. And everything, including every episode of the show and any articles and other special stuff can be found at FromTheDiamond.com. Let's jump into the week that was as far as Braves news is concerned. And we've got a big one to talk about as far as this is concerned. The Braves, once again, firing the opening salvo of the winter. About a year ago, it was the signing of Josh Donaldson and Brian McCann that got the Braves on the board. Well, it's the signing of free agent reliever Will Smith that gets the Braves started this hot stove season. Smith gets a three-year deal announced at $39 million by the club. It does include a fourth-year option. It's for $13 million and carries a $1 million buyout. So for Smith, that's three years and $40 million guaranteed to jump into the Braves' bullpen. He was dynamite for San Francisco last year. Smith saved 34 games, 276 ERA, 96 strikeouts against 21 walks and 65 and a third innings. So he was averaging over four and a half strikeouts to walks the last two seasons combined. And I don't think I need to explain to Braves fans exactly how good it is to see a strike-throwing reliever joining the bullpen for the next few seasons. For Smith, a career-high 13.2 strikeouts per nine in 2019 as well. A lot of good numbers as you start to look through what he's been doing. He's dominant against left-hand hitters. They batted 157 against him last year with just one home run, a sub-400 OPS in 72 plate appearances, and he wasn't bad against righties either. So this is a big-time reliever that the Braves have added, a great signing that gives them a core of a bullpen that is so far and away better than what the Braves had heading into the 2019 season. You can take Will Smith and put him with his former Giants teammate Mark Melanson, as well as Shane Green, who was an all-star closer last year. And you've also got Darren O'Day back as well. And when you build around that group with some other young arms, Atlanta is already way ahead of where they were this time last winter. 
and, of course, for much of the first half of the 2019 season as well. It's great to see that, and I think that Will Smith could be a big-time difference maker for the Braves' bullpen as now they have a really electric arm and a left-hander at that to deploy in the late innings depending on how the Braves want to slice this up. Now, the early reports, including from David O'Brien of The Athletic in talking with Alex Anthopoulos after this deal, are that Mark Melanson is the incumbent closer. But I don't need to tell you there's an awful lot of time between now and opening day for that to get sorted out. And as the Braves go through the season, there may be some nights where one or the other might be better suited to have those late-inning duties, or you might need to call on one or the other of them to get you a big out to protect a lead, to get it later in the game. And having this kind of depth, having these kind of veterans, that's exactly what a club like the Braves needs as they can protect those leads in the middle to late innings and turn those leads into victories. A little bit of background on Smith. He is from Noonan, Georgia, so the Braves are bringing a local boy home. Smith has called quite a few clubs home over the course of his pro career, which began back in 2008 when he was drafted in the seventh round by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He was then dealt to the Kansas City Royals for Alberto Cayaspo in 2010. In 2013, he was dealt from the Royals to the Brewers. He spent a little bit of time in Kansas City, mostly as a starter, but jumped into that bullpen in Milwaukee and became one of the better left-handed relievers in the game. In 2016, he was traded over to the Giants. He missed the entire 2017 season with Tommy John surgery. And then, of course, the last couple of years, he's been in San Francisco. So stops with the Angels, with the Royals, with the Brewers, the Giants, and now the Braves for Smith, who comes home to Georgia, where, again, he was born in Noonan. He'll turn 31 years old in July, and the Braves have him under contract for the next three seasons. A big addition to their bullpen and a big addition on the free agent market at that, something that I don't think a lot of folks necessarily expected early on. And I mentioned this on Twitter for some folks that were kind of asking why the Braves are jumping in on a bullpen pitcher first. Well, you have a lot of different things that you're trying to do over the course of a winter. You don't want to let one pursuit keep you from getting any of your other things done. And I think this speaks to exactly what Alex Anthopoulos was thinking by getting this deal done. There are reports that Smith would have been just fine taking that $17.8 million qualifying offer from the Giants if he did not get his multi-year deal, which the Braves obliged him with on Thursday prior to the 5 p.m. deadline where players had to either accept or decline the qualifying offer. So Smith ended up declining it, which means a compensatory draft pick in the 2020 draft will be going over to the Giants as the Braves sign a free agent that had a qualifying offer attached. Now, that opens up a number of other discussions with how the Braves have typically run things the last few years. But I think it's important to point out that while you do want to build your minor league system, there's no two ways about that. This is a Braves club that at the major league level has now opened up its window of contention. They've won back-to-back National League East crowns. If you look at the 2019 NLDS, clearly there was some unfinished business. The Braves look like a team that could have gone much deeper into October and could have a chance to do that again in 2020. With that being said, I think that you want to find the minor league players that can help you out at the big league level and use some of those other assets to start building in and bringing in the pieces that you need in order to complement the big league roster and make that club as good as it can possibly be. The Braves have a kind of a two-pronged approach right now because in the international market, they're dealing with the sanctions from Major League Baseball for a couple of more seasons. Now, that makes the draft a much more important thing as the Braves try to use that and all the assets they have to bring in and cultivate minor league players going forward. And while it's been great to have one of the top farm systems in baseball, and it would be great to keep adding to that group, it's also great to see those players either graduate 
or be used to bring in the players you need at the big league level to make you as competitive as possible. And I think that is kind of the portion of the plan that the Braves are in. If you look at the rebuild, well, that thing is over. And now you want to keep an eye on what's in the minor leagues and what you can add to the minor leagues, but more so the focus on the big league club and trying to maintain the level of competitiveness and contention that the Braves have been in the last couple of years as they have reached October. So in signing Will Smith, the Braves do lose that compensatory draft pick, but I don't think that's something that should hinder them from going out and making the necessary deals to get the players in that can take the club to the next level. And of course, when you've already been to October and been sent home a couple of years, now that next level is survive and advance and try to make the run at that World Series, which the Braves will have their eyes on in 2020. Also happening in the news last week, we wrap up the awards season. Uh, The National League MVP went to Cody Bellinger. I don't think that was too much of a surprise. It was he and Christian Yelich. Maybe a late run by Anthony Rendon. Uh, The Braves' Ronald Acuna Jr. finished fifth in the MVP voting. Freddie Freeman was eighth, and Josh Donaldson ranked 11th as far as the MVP votes were concerned. In the Rookie of the Year race, it went to Pete Alonso of the Mets as he hit 53 home runs, setting a rookie record, also a Mets franchise record, and grabbing a well-deserved Rookie of the Year honor just ahead of Mike Soroka, who did get a first-place vote, but Soroka the runner-up for NL Rookie of the Year in 2019. Manager of the Year went to Mike Schilt of the Cardinals. Craig Council of the Brewers finished second. And the Braves manager, Brian Snitker, who won the award in 2018, ranked third in the 2019 tally. And as I mentioned last week, Silver Sluggers went out as well. Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Ozzie Albies, all winning Silver Sluggers. But now we turn our attention back to the hot stove, as I mentioned briefly a minute ago, but didn't want to touch on it because it happened after last week's episode. Atlanta has brought back right-hander Darren O'Day on a one-year $2.25 million deal. That includes an option for $3.5 million for the 2021 season as well. I thought O'Day looked good late in the season and obviously good enough to make the playoff roster. And if he's healthy, it gives Atlanta one more quality depth piece than they had in recent years, and he can help stabilize those middle innings and be deployed in tough, high-leverage matchups against right-handed hitters. So that's another piece that you need as you build out a bullpen But the big signing, the big news, of course, is the acquisition of left-hander Will Smith. So let's dive into that and some other Braves hot stove topics with my guest who joins us now. He is Corey McCartney. Corey, I appreciate you making some time and looking forward to talking with you about what's already been, once again for the Braves, a strike early in the winter kind of uh, hot stove, if you want to call it that, as the Braves made some news on Thursday with their signing of Will Smith. What did you make of the Braves' initial move and what could be a pretty pivotal winner for this club? Well, I think first and foremost, Alex Anthopoulos is very adept at working in silence, right? I mean, we had no idea this was coming the exact day that, you know, that qualifying offers have to be accepted or rejected, and he gets one of the biggest fish in the sea in getting Will Smith, a guy that I think a lot of us thought they would have gotten last year if the Giants would have been willing to deal him. So uh, kudos to Anthopoulos for jumping on him early and, and, you know, meeting uh, a stated need uh, very early in the process. No, most certainly. And as you look at his free agent contract that Smith has signed, a three-year deal, the team announced $39 million, but you could call it $40 million. It's got a fourth-year team option, a $1 million buyout, $13 million if they pick it up. So four years and, what, $52 million if all of the money ends up in Will Smith's corner. But I looked at this deal very similar to what the Yankees did last year when they went out and got Zach Britton. But from the look of things, you know, Britain wasn't necessarily putting up the kind of numbers that Will Smith was. So 
not only did the Braves get a really useful reliever here, but they also just took the best reliever available in the free agent market off the board. I'd say that's a pretty bold move and a good way to start the winter for Anthopolis and company. Oh, without question. And it makes you obviously wonder about the dominoes that are going to fall here. And you think about, you know, Shane Green in particular, you know, as an arbitration guy, what do they do with him? You know, Mark Melanson, you know, we saw from David O'Brien, the athletic yesterday, the anticipation is that he'll still be uh, in the closer role. At least, you know, that's the idea going into uh, camp. So, you know, I think there's a lot of things that we have to figure out after you consider Smith's place in this whole thing. Uh, but obviously it makes this bullpen that much more, uh, you know, just just have my overall depth and you know it's hard to find an inherent weakness in this team when you start considering the bullpen being that much better yeah and how good this bullpen is obviously speaks to the Braves realizing about a year ago this time or well maybe about eight months ago this time that they didn't exactly have the group on opening day of 2018 or excuse me 2019 that we're talking about the Braves have assembled with the trade deadline moves of getting as you mentioned Mark Melanson who right now is the incumbent closer. Also Shane Green, who was an all-star closer. And then you bring back Darren O'Day as well, who has plenty of relief experience under his belt. And now you're adding Will Smith on top of that. I think that the bullpen, as you look at it right now, it certainly was better in the second half last year, but I would call this a strength for the team, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. And now you wonder, too. I mean, Sean Newcomb was such a pivotal part of that uh, bullpen after making the transition there from starter. Do we even need to consider him even being in the mix there? This Is this an opportunity, now that you've strengthened this up, that guys can kind of fall back uh, into those roles that they're much more comfortable yeah. with? You know, certainly we've seen Max Freed in the bullpen. I, I think you're going to see a lot less of that, and these guys who are starters are going to get more of an opportunity to solidify themselves in that regard. Yeah, I think so too. And there's also obviously the option with Sean Newcomb, as the Braves have said before, we could stretch him back out and make him a starter as I look at it, the success he had in the bullpen, I, I can look at it one of two ways. Number one, the team really needed him to step up in that role, and he did. And number two, for Sean, he was kind of in a, a weird place in his career where I think he just needed to find a role to have some success to maybe get himself back on track. But I don't think this precludes him from jumping back in the rotation, and I, I think we might expect seeing Sean Newcomb make some starts in the spring. How about you? I would agree. I mean, if, from his perspective, you know, certainly when we talked to him last year, he was pretty adamant about the fact that he was ticked off. He got down to Gwinnett and he yeah. was ticked off, and that was his path back. If he wasn't willing to do that, though, if he wasn't, if they, if they one didn't believe that he could be successful in that role, or two, him and his own, you know, thought process didn't think he could handle it, he would have just been wasting away in Gwinnett last yeah. year, logging starter innings. So, I a big, a big get for both of them last year to have him in that, in that spot, but. Uh, certainly we've seen what he's capable of as a starter and, and which would be very interested to see this spring, how he kind of figures into what I think is going to be a really interesting battle uh, in terms of those uh, spots in the rotation. Yeah, it's very intriguing because spots in the bullpen, spots in the rotation, both right now for the Braves. And uh, whether Sean Newcomb fills one of those two roles or maybe is kind of a hybrid that might end up doing a little bit of both. Also, as you look at things with this Braves club, there's the opportunity that some other club out there might be interested in dealing for Sean Newcomb in something that could make the Braves better in a number of other ways, which is something we can talk about in just a little bit. But circling back to Will Smith, Corey, I want to ask your opinion on this. We've been following the Braves for quite some time, both of us you know, extensively covering the Braves minor leagues and getting to know these prospects and what the idea was of building from within and trying to you know, stockpile all this talent. We've seen it for year after year after year. Now, the Braves got hit with the sanctions from MLB, so that's put a dent in bringing in international players. But one of the biggest things about signing a free agent that had a qualifying offer attached is that there's draft pick compensation. 
Braves are going to lose their second highest draft pick since Will Smith had rejected the qualifying offer from the Giants. I like seeing that this did not stop the Braves from making a deal like this happen. And it seems like to me, Corey, that Alex Antopoulos puts his eye on a target and makes the move to make that acquisition happen. And I think that for a club that's where the Braves are now in 2019, heading into 2020, they're in their win-now window. So I don't think draft pick compensation should be stopping the Braves from making impact moves like this. And I would agree with that. And last year at the winter meetings in Vegas, you know, we asked in Topolis about this multiple times. And you think about the guys that they were linked to at that point. I mean, certainly Dallas Keuchel was someone that I don't think anybody anticipated they were going to get. And certainly that thing played itself out months later. But A.J. Pollock was a name that was being bandied about that the Braves might uh, have an interest in. That was a guy that was going to cost them uh, a draft pick uh, compensation at that point. And, you know, Alex said at the time, you know, we value, we look into the value of that pick when we consider signing a guy like that. But I think you kind of have to remember that last year they had the additional pick because of the Carter Stewart issue. If they had done this a year ago and they had been willing a year ago to sign a guy who had had that compensation attached to them, they would have been giving up an entirely different level of prospect. Now you've gone out and you've, and you've stocked up on older players. Remember the first three picks last year were all three college players. They were able to go out and supplement those, so many of those young guys that they had gotten in previous drafts, especially pitchers, and go out and get some more seasoned players. I think what the, the tactics of last year's draft allowed them to be have a little bit more uh, of a luxury this year. And then you consider, obviously, you're having a much uh, lower pick uh, in terms of that first rounder anyway, so you're probably going to get the same level. But I think the strategy of last year certainly played its way into being able to do that this time around. Yeah, and piggybacking off of that, I don't think the draft pick compensation is going to stand in the way of other moves or, or names that we look at that the Braves could be interested in that rejected qualifying offers. I'm of the opinion now that at this point, you know, you've already lost what would be a higher draft pick here. One of them's already off the board. You might get one back if Josh Donaldson signs elsewhere, and we can talk about that in a moment as well. But just my opinion is, at this point, you've already jumped in and done this. I don't think that another draft pick compensation is going to stand in the way of perhaps other moves and other free agent signings if the Braves can find the right deal for the right player. Uh, agreed. And, and you know, certainly Madison Bumgarner, they've been linked to him. Zach Wheeler, I think a lot of us around the team, uh, local products, we thought it made would make sense for them. Um, I really like Marcelo Zuna. I wrote about this on Talking Chop last night. Mm-hmm. I know when you've got you know, Marquegas, but you've already set the, the standard for him that you could see him in a platoon role. I think the way we saw Azuna hit uh, in SunTrust in the postseason, if you can't get Donaldson back, I think that could be a really nice right-handed bat to add to the mix. So I think those three guys in particular are ones that I look at, at the, the guys that rejected qualifying offers, that, that would be really interesting. Uh, I don't know, you know how aggressive you need to be in that regard considering some of the options you do have in terms of your rotation pieces in-house, but uh, I do not think that now you consider losing your fourth best pick, uh, that that's going to uh, you know preclude them from making any further moves in this way. Now the Giants have another left-hander the Braves could be in pursuit of, the one that we thought may be the one they were in the hottest pursuit of, and that, of course, is Madison Bumgarner, who you mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, Corey, there's no doubt he'd be a nice add to the rotation. He would provide that proven quality, I think, that Dallas Keuchel brought along. And for Bumgarner, different kind of pitcher, uh, obviously misses more bats, has some serious October credentials, that would be quite an arm to add to what's been a young group, but an impressive group led by Mike Soroka, Max Fried, and even Mike Fultonevich at this point, I still think has some uh, tread on the tire, most certainly. Do you like the Bumgarner fit, or is there another pitcher that catches your attention who's out on the free agent market? 
You know, the thing with Bumgarner is I think you you look, you know, the, the past few seasons and, you know, the, the, the average fastball velocity has dropped for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that obviously finishes last year a 3.2 fan draft war player, 3.90 ERA over 34 starts. Um, you know you're getting, in terms of a competitive, uh, just a competitive mindset from him, obviously he has the credentials, you know, the ties of Braves country as a kid from North Carolina. I think it makes sense in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I mean, is he the one that's going to put them over the top? And has Soroka showed you enough to feel like you don't need to go down and, and when you have so many guys in-house that you potentially could develop? You know, I think sometimes we forget, too, that Bumgarner's only 29 years old. And yeah. I think sometimes we think of him being an older guy, but uh, I do wonder how much how much of the, of the workload he's had so far. Is he trending towards breaking down is this a guy that you want to lock up for four or five years and what does he look like at that point so uh, i have a lot of questions about him in, in that way but certainly from a credential standpoint and you know the just the gravitas that you get with having him and that staff matters i just don't know that they're in a point where you have to be that ultra aggressive to get a guy like that yeah it's going to be interesting to see where his offers fall because the big dominoes on the free agent market as far as starting pitchers are concerned are garrett cole and steven strasburg and that's not the kind of deal that madison bumgarner is going to be getting uh, but I, I don't know if that means that bumgarner would be more apt to just not worry about that and pursue his own deal and maybe sign before either of those guys sign or how exactly they want to play that but we've read a lot about the fact that being a North Carolina native, that pitching closer to home and being in Atlanta is something that might work towards Bumgarner. I'll throw this out at you. I appeared on 11 Alive here locally in Atlanta and threw out a deal that I thought might work for a Madison Bumgarner and Braves marriage, if you want to call it that, at four years and $82.5 million. Do you think I'm kind of in the ballpark, maybe a little low or maybe a little bit high? What do you think it would take? I, I mean, I, I like that that I, I mean, I, that idea, and then certainly you mentioned Cole and Strasburg. I mean, it's not like Madison Bumgarner is a Plan B if you can't get one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, this is a very different kind of picture. You know, this is certainly you're you're a team that's that's looking to one get a guy who's been there, a la Keiko, and get a guy who can help you know with these younger pitchers and show them how things are done. Um, yeah, I find him very interesting just from the end that you know. The Giants did hold on to him. They did put a qualifying offer. How badly do you want him? Now that the Braves have kind of ripped the Band-Aid off, are they a little bit more inclined to go that route? Yeah. I mean, they, they've just become that much more interesting to me in the last 24 hours with this Will Smith signing because if had they not signed Will Smith and you would have told me they would have been giving up their second-highest draft pick to get Madison Bumgarner, I, I would have stopped at that a little bit. But now really? it's a completely different scenario, I think, when you think about giving up to get a, a guy who would be your fourth highest, because to me it's just a different level of compensation when you're talking about a guy who's just, I mean, it's honestly not the same pitcher anymore. Yeah, I do look at Madison Bumgarner's recent injury history, and a lot of it's been a little bit fluky, as opposed to being things that make a major worry, at least as far as when I'm sizing him up. I mean, the broken finger, I believe, on a line drive, there's not much you can do about that. It's just one of those things that happens, but... I am fascinated to see, as far as free agents are concerned, what they might go after. You mentioned Marcelo Zuna. He's a guy who'd be on my short list as well. All of that, of course, being contingent on what's going to happen with Josh Donaldson. Let's go there for a moment because I think that's one of the big stories that we're going to be talking about all winter long if it drags on is where exactly is Josh Donaldson going to end up because he's going to have no shortage of options. Declining his qualifying offer officially this week, that's no surprise. 
Strong season for the Braves, 37 home runs, great defense, was healthy all year long, turning 34 this winter. But I look at Josh as a guy that's got plenty left in the tank to be that difference maker in the middle of the order for at least a few more years, which is what the Braves need. And Corey, you and I both know length and cost of the deal is going to be where this decision is going to be made on both sides. Rangers, Dodgers, Nationals, Phillies, I'm sure other clubs could be after Josh Donaldson. And where Anthony Rendon goes could also be the difference maker here for what clubs get more aggressive if they can't get a guy like Anthony Rendon. And I think you said it right there. I mean, Rendon to me is the domino that falls before we find out where Donaldson goes. But does that make Donaldson more interested in getting it out of the way before Rendon's made up his mind? Um, it's just really interesting to me because if the rain, let's say the Nationals can't get Rendon, let's say he goes back to Texas and signs with the Rangers. Do they become that much more aggressive to go and get Donaldson now? Because you do still have a, a deep rotation, even if you let Strasburg walk. So, to me, if if from having been around Donaldson and, and knowing what Donaldson thinks of Donaldson, which we know he holds himself in extremely high regard, no doubt, I think he's going he's he he's going to want to watch and see what happens to Rendon because I think it, it sets the market for him. And, you know, I'll be surprised if Rendon doesn't go back to, to the, the Nationals. I think that's still the best fit for him. I think it's hard to walk away from what they all just accomplished. But, you know, once that, once that happens, I mean, we know the Rangers opening up that new ballpark are going to want a, you know, another marquee player to add to the mix. And, and it just becomes a basically a bidding war. And we heard a lot last year from Donaldson how much, you know, Poulos and that medical staff in Atlanta met, how much Anthopoulos and their relationship met. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did these last few months in Atlanta mean to Josh Donaldson? Does that outweigh, you know, ultimately it might be a team in the Rangers who are just willing to pay more for his services? Yeah, I, I think the experience has to be a factor at least. But when it comes down to players and contracts and free agency, I think they deserve to get as much as they can get wherever that is, and I know that a lot of fans don't love to hear that, but I think most people understand you got a finite amount of years and your earning potential is what it is, and you got to strike while the iron's hot. And for Donaldson, I would say the iron is a lot hotter this year than it was a season ago when he was going to have to prove his health perhaps to a lot of clubs and doesn't have to go through that particular uh, you know, rigmarole, if you want to call it that, or that song and dance this year. He's coming off a great season. When I look at the Nationals, kind of to go back to something you touched on there, I feel like their chances of signing Steven Strasburg are a lot higher than their chances of signing Anthony Rendon. Where do you weigh in on that? I think they go Rendon. I mean, obviously you can say, okay, well, Strasburg was a World Series MVP, mm-hmm. and they just won on pitching. Well, you've still got three of the five guys in that rotation are back next year regardless, and Scherzer, uh, Patrick Corbin, and Annabelle Sanchez. I mean, losing Strasburg would hurt them. I mean, it would be a massive blow. Yeah. Uh, to what they've built there, and certainly, you know, he's come to define the Nationals baseball uh, as much as any player has. Sure. Uh, but I think from you can't you can't just fill that void uh, with Rendon and what he meant to that offense. And as as Soto continues to come into his own and, and you know become a a budding superstar, I think you've got to have that 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 spark plug in there. And, and Zimmerman's getting older. I I, th- I think it's so hard to find you know, a guy that you consistently can get out there uh, and deliver uh, like Rendon can at the plate. Um, to me, he just he's indispensable uh, to what they're doing in D.C. Yeah, and I think if you get on the radar of the Los Angeles Dodgers as being one of those indispensable type players, you've certainly done something. And for Rendon, it's not just the Rangers, but when the Dodgers start kind of getting in that mix, you kind of wonder because they're a team that can spin. They've been a little bit more thrifty, if you want to call it that, in recent years. But they're certainly a club that could 
roll out a big contract and perhaps change the face of free agency across both of the leagues, and in particular, something that could affect Atlanta's pursuit of Josh Donaldson. Uh, One other thing is I look at both the rotation, uh, perhaps third base, maybe even if you're looking for another outfielder. And, of course, the Braves have a lot of minor league pieces that they can still deal with with a strong farm system and a few players, like an Ender Inciarte perhaps, that may not have a clear place in the Braves' plans for 2020 and beyond. I have always felt like, and this is each and every winter, that a trade could still be the best way for this team to meet at least one of its needs, especially if they do go out and try to add multiple starting pitchers. And it makes it seem, at least from my perspective, that much stranger that they didn't pick up Julio Tehran's option. Even if you just wanted to use him as a trade ship, let's say that you you really want Mitch Hanniger, and you know the, the Mariners we know are in a position where you've got to come, who's going to who's going to cover innings. And you know, to me, he just had value in that way. Even if you were going to package him uh, to to upgrade it to another spot, uh, I just think he would have had immense value in that way. But. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see what Anthopolis does next because I don't feel like they're set in that outfield. And I know we've got Pache and Waters coming. Yeah. I, I still think there's another move to be made there. Yes. Um, you know, I think, and in, in certainly, you know, is, 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 is Monty Grandall a target? Did they get into the Wilson Contreras mix? Uh, if he is available from the Cubs, there's just so many pieces here uh, hanging out that you know I think they could get so much better. And to, to set the tone that they set yesterday, um, this just makes it one fascinating winter ahead. And a quick note on Julio Tehran, the fact that he was due, what, $12 million if they'd picked up the option. Yeah. They paid the $1 million to buy him out. I kind of looked at that as really paying for the first year of Will Smith in, in some way, shape, or form as you move the money around a little bit. But as you pointed out, Corey, it does open up you know, the rotational void, if you will, as far as covering innings. And you don't really get anything for Julio, but – Maybe it was the, let's use the term, financial flexibility they wanted to go get something that they really uh, were putting at a higher priority, which, of course, would be that bullpen. Uh, you bring up the catchers and the catching position. That Tyler Flowers back, Brian McCann's retired. You're clearly going to need somebody else that's a major league backstop to pair with Flowers or perhaps become the new primary guy. Uh, who do you think fits the bill here? Would you be surprised to see the Braves in that Yasmani Grandal sweepstakes or perhaps that Contreras trade you talked about? I think Grandal to me would be fascinating. He had the sixth highest uh, defensive uh, WAR per uh, baseball reference uh, of any catcher uh, last season. I think he'd be he'd be an upgrade in that way. Uh, you know, I think he'd be a he'd be, you know a great get uh, offensively when you think what he brings to the table. It, Contreras would just be great from the end that eventually his brother is going to be up there, and that could be your your backstop combination could be the Contreras boys uh, in Atlanta. Uh, but I, I've been a Grandal fan for a while. You know, he obviously. Uh, you know, set himself up to get paid uh, quite handsomely this offseason after the year that he had. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see them get in that mix, but does Contreras become that much more of a, you know, from a cost standpoint, is he that much, does he make that much more sense? When you consider the amount of pitching prospects that the Braves have, we know the Cubs, you know, could certainly use some help in that way. So they might match up pretty well from that end. Uh, so maybe Contreras does make more sense. But I think Grandal would be a, a fine addition as well. Yeah, I think he'd be a pretty big splash as far as the free agents are concerned, as far as position players are concerned. And there's a lot of intrigue, of course, swirling around when it comes to both free agency and trades. But, Corey, let me wrap up with this one. We talked about a lot of different names, but the one I keep circling back to that was the in-house guy that the Braves would love to have back, I think it's Josh Donaldson. What do you make of Atlanta's chances to re-sign him, and what price do you think gets this deal done for the Braves? 
Uh, I think it's got to be around that $23 million, the, the, what he came in for that one-year deal last year. I think if you get if you go four years uh, and right around that on an AAB, I think you've got a really good chance of getting back in Atlanta. That sounds uh, pretty much in lockstep with what I've been talking about as well. So it looks like we agree. You're going to be paying a pretty good chunk am- average annual value, but we'll see exactly how long the offers are, especially if American League clubs get involved when it comes to Josh Donaldson and what his next stop could be in his very, very storied career thus far. Corey, I appreciate all your time. Let me give you a quick second to plug everything you're doing now. Let everybody know where they can find your work. Yeah, you can always find everything from me on Twitter at Corey J. McCartney. I know you can find me at Talking Chop. Uh, we'll have some more stuff to announce later on. But, uh, my, the next edition of Tales from the Alien Brothers Dugout coming out March 3rd, so you can always get to Amazon and uh, order that early now. So uh, some, some nice additions. A great chapter. I really had fun writing on Freddie Freeman for that. So uh, be sure to check it out. All right, Corey, I appreciate all your time. You're a busy man, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right, thanks, Grant. Yeah, definitely check out Tales from the Atlanta Braves Dugout. I have my copy of it. I I need to get an updated copy of it as well. Great stories about the history of the Atlanta Braves and building some of the great moments and uh, memories that you look back on as a fan. Corey did a great job of capturing those, and you can check that out on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Grab a copy of that and support Corey there. Appreciate his time. He is Corey McCartney. You can catch him on Twitter at Corey J. McCartney. And that wraps up what has been a fun and eventful episode of From the Diamond. Invite you, as always, to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcast. Good chance you can find it there. Ratings and reviews are appreciated. Keep those coming in. I appreciate all of those. They certainly help me out. And be sure you're following along on social media. Find the show at From the Diamond underscore on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Grant McCauley. On Instagram, the show is at From the Diamond been posting a lot of historical this day in baseball this day in braves history kind of things hope you've been enjoying those and you can also find me on instagram at grant mccauley there g-r-a-n-t-m-c-a-u-l-e-y find every episode of the show as well as articles and other special features i'm doing at from the diamond.com my thanks again to Corey mccartney for jumping on the show my thanks again to you for listening to this episode of from the diamond i'm grant mccauley i will catch you next week until then so long everyone